You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Before we dive into our episode, we wanted to ask you, our listeners, for some help. Please help us out by going to reach10.org. There's a link into a short and simple survey to provide your ideas on how we can run this podcast even better. And if you provide us your email in that short survey, you will also be in the running for a $25 gift card. Our BYU interns are helping with this survey. So please help them out. Please help us out. We would love to hear your thoughts. Welcome back, listeners, to the show. We're so pleased to have joining us this evening, Jason and Lisa Frost. They are the authors of the book, The Glass Between Us, and have recently began their nonprofit organization, Wired Human. They've had the website up and running for some time, but just this year became an official nonprofit. And they're here with us today to help answer the question, how can young adults live a healthy lifestyle in today's screen culture? So we are very grateful to have them with us today. Uh, can you please introduce yourselves to our listeners? Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. So my name is Lisa. As you can hear by my accent, I am actually German and have lived in the States now for about two years. But my, my original time living in the United States for the first time was as a high schooler in Nebraska. So random fact about me. And we have been married for eight years. Awesome. And my name is Jason. Um, I lived in Germany for five years with my lovely wife and studied abroad um, international law, which really inspired me to head down this direction of looking into how tech is influencing our young people both from a legal perspective, but also from a sociological perspective. And we've worked, I think, almost a decade with youth um, as Lisa as a teacher, but myself as a educational expert, mostly in Germany. And I would say if I was going to throw a fun fact in there, I love basketball. I played it for almost 18 years and in college and coached basketball in Germany as my first job as I was trying to learn the language. I could just use hand signals with the teenagers on the court. So that was a great place to start. Um, <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. (laughs) I love that so much. I, um, my first like real European experience was in Germany and I loved it and I didn't know anything at all. And it's a miracle. We made it through in our car, but I love that you guys are from there and that you spent so much time there. I treated you kindly. (laughs) It was so good and so beautiful, but I am so excited to to learn more about your nonprofit Wired Human and your mission and and to, to talk about what can we do to be intentional with our tech and to not let it run our lives, but to use it to make our lives better while connecting 
in real ways. What inspired this movement for you guys? I would say it definitely was the shift that we saw in the lives of teens. We were both working with teenagers hands-on and we saw like so many moments where they were doing stuff online that we were not fully aware of, but it definitely spilled over into their interactions into their the way they expressed their sexuality like I remember one day as a teacher two students came up to me and were just super disturbed about a classmate that had been texting nude pictures um, and I didn't know what to do and nobody had ever taught me what to do how to jump in and that was kind of what started this whole journey our discussions at home, talking about the struggles at work and not quite knowing how to address it and how to be a mentor, a guide in such a time as this. Yeah, I would also say not only was it kind of a hands-on experience working so many years with kids in the German school system and also with, uh, with youth in different programs in the States, but also academically, we really dove deep into trying to understand the why, particularly um, in my master thesis, I wrote on the legal aspects of the unlimited access that youth have to pornography at the international level of law and really tried to understand the causal link between the harm done through consuming pornography to the minor. And that kind of sent us on a whole journey of wow, like there's a huge injustice going on. There's exploitation and indoctrination that we have never seen before on a mass scale. I mean, when you have 850 million minors behind a screen today, or young people, I think that's ages 15 to 25, you have to realize what impact that's going to have on the world when kids are wiring their brains to this stuff. And we could already see the destructive force of how it was destroying relationships how teens were uh, relating to one another um, physically, whether it was through uh, violence or, yeah, just a lot of unhealthy stuff going on. So that kind of sparked this whole thing. And we kind of realized at some point we couldn't keep just talking about how frustrated we were. We actually had to take tangible steps to make a difference. And that's where we started writing the book. And the book led to the organization Wired Human. Cool. And the book is called The Glass Between Us. And we will link all of these incredible resources in our show notes. And I love this. And I love that you're taking action about it. I feel like so often we're like frustrated about things in our lives. That's how Reach 10 was born is Vana saw a need and a group of young adults that I happen to be a part of just were like, we are so tired of not having any resources for young adults in overcoming pornography or even learning about healthy sexuality. So I love that you guys are doing this. This is so awesome. Um, and I especially love one of the things that I just noticed from your website is that you really focus on like helping people to develop core values and figure out what their like why is. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. Like what, how, how do you find that, especially when it comes to like your technology use? What does that look like to have core values with your technology use? That is a great question. Core values, I think something to really realize and what we connect to, and this is stealing a little bit from Brene Brown. Um, we actually ran into her work later on at, towards the our end of our journey of writing the book and trying to dissect values. But something I love that she does is she links our identity to the values that we live by and that our values are actually like a reflex reaction to who we are. 
And I think discovering that process within ourselves starts with uh, where am I going in life and where do I want to arrive? And are the values that I'm choosing to live my life by going to be the engine that's going to drive me there? Or are they going to be the brakes holding me back the entire time? And I think we can see that all the time. You can be wildly talented, have incredible privileges to get you out there in life and come down and crash and burn like we see in Hollywood or also with tragedies, with suicides, with people who have been social media influencers who had everything and it just ended in disaster because their life wasn't reflecting or what they were doing wasn't reflecting their internal being. Mm. So values are really, yeah, I think it's an internal process that we discover about who we are. And it really, it's so empowering because when you make choices and you head in a direction in your life based on who you are, not what you're told to do or what you feel like people want you to do, but this is really me choosing to live this life that I have said yes to. And uh, just to add to that, I think the question uh, that drives that is what makes me me? And I want that person to be represented when I am online. I feel that's extremely important in this day and age because somehow this online world has evolved into something that's very showy, very like, this is me all looking amazing, sounding amazing, presenting myself in the best light. So for instance, for me, one of my values, my core values that I live by is authenticity. So whenever I'm online, I want to be that same person. I don't want to be the whatever perfect Insta queen <laughs> looking awesome for everyone out there, but not really be feeling like I am that person. So we feel like there has to be more debate around that discussion of core values, because when we understand what we actually stand for and we can carry that into online interactions, we are going to have a much better world online with a lot more value, even for the people around us. I love that. Yeah. And your example of a value that you hold that can help guide your tech use, what other values can people have that promote positive outcomes? And on the flip side, what are some values or lack of values, I guess, that promote negative outcomes during your work? I'm sure you've come across some of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, like Lisa said, authenticity, amazing value to live by. But I would also say uh, courage, having the courage to be who you are online. You know, it's, I mean, they're all sort of interconnected to authenticity, but to also stand up for who you are online. And that could also mean defending other people who might be getting bullied or having the courage to incorporate just new ideas and getting out there creatively. Um, it can look like a lot of different things. But I would also say maybe some negative aspects of things that we can live out online is getting self-focused. And I think whenever we internally look into ourselves and are constantly processing ourselves and how we look online and what we're, what we're getting out of our online experience, life just gets really heavy because we just sort of internally focus in on ourselves. Um, and I would also say a great value to have is being externally focused. The more we can actually use the internet as a tool to bring more positivity into our friends' lives, being a positive force in somebody else's life. I feel like the adrenaline and the dopamine rush of being a positive force in your friend's life or, or writing encouraging message is always going to trump getting more likes or doing something that's self-serving online. I really like that a lot. Something that I was talking with my husband about the other day was I've had a couple conversations with people that I was actually so shocked that they were saying the things that they were saying to me over 
just like DMing. And, and I was like, I don't think that these people would ever say that to my face. Like Mm -hmm. if we were having a conversation, they would not say those things. And and so I love that you brought up this idea of having courage to stand up for people, to stand up for yourself, but also I think compassion <laughs> and integrity and like not being someone that not treating others in a way that like you don't want to be treated or that you wouldn't treat them in person. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are beautiful examples. We have found that so often, especially teenagers, so even we think, oh, yeah, this is just behind a screen. But the reality is it's not just behind a screen. Whatever we do it online, we believe eventually spills over into our offline lives. And that's where that that discussion about values is so important because it really means that I am willing to commit my life to who I am and what I stand for. Now, we don't want to tell people what their values have to be. They need to discover that within themselves and with the people around them. We have a a list of values on our website just for people to give give an idea what we are actually talking about. But what we do want to challenge people is that this is me. This is who I am. For instance, let's say the valuing human dignity. I don't think that you can consume porn and value human dignity at the same time. I just think that doesn't work. And I'm not saying that people are bad for consuming or you're worse than me, but I'm like, there's, there's more to what we are doing online. It's not just something that's behind a screen. It's actually so much more. And that's why this discussion is so important. Amen. I love that. I was just going to say, yes, um, you're bringing up an amazing point. And I want to be sure that we read this quote word for word, because you shared this quote with us preparing for this episode. And it is, the wiring of the brain becomes the playbook of the heart and mind. What we thread our brains to online becomes how we live and love offline. And I think that's so true. What we are consuming digitally really is a reflection of our mind. And of course, it's going to spill over into our, our real lives. Any, any other thoughts that you have on that, on that topic, on that quote? It's beautiful. Actually, that quote comes from a, uh, a personal story that's really deep. It was really actually one of the most defining moments in my life, well, outside of getting married and then my kids. So there's been other defining moments since then, but this was a pretty big one. It was the time I almost lost my life. And I had suffered a traumatic head injury, a skateboarding accident where I fell off my skateboard. I landed on my back and I whiplashed the back of my skull into the asphalt. And it was so severe that my brain actually bounced off the back of my skull and ricocheted in the forehead and ruptured and bled throughout my brain. And I lost like everything. I couldn't, I, I remember the first thing that went through my head when I woke up um, was I don't remember who my family members are. Like, I can't remember who my mom and dad are. It was like weird that I would think that and I knew something was wrong. And then I was on a five minute memory loop where everything reset every five minutes. Somebody had to re-explain to me where I was, what I was doing. So just to give you kind of a baseline, it was pretty bad. And my doctor, um, he ba- told me, he's like, I have a patient. This is a little, a little bit after the injury. And he was working with me. He said, I have a patient who's in the same situation as you. He has the same type of head injury and he's probably going to die. And for whatever reason, you're going to live. And I just remember feeling like incredibly, um, 
it was just this moment. I was like, why did I, why do I get to live? Why do I get to keep going? And it kind of sparked this thought in my head of like, for, you know, first of all, like maybe a sense of like guilt that maybe why would that person not make it? And I would, but just this idea that, okay, I have been given such a gift, you know, like I have a second chance at life. I need to figure out what this is about. I need to figure out what this purpose means. And so I set a goal in my mind to really discover what my purpose was because I wasn't going to waste what I've been given. Other people hadn't had the same opportunity or had this grace over their life in that way. I wasn't going to let it go to waste. And so I really set a goal in my mind that I was going to overcome this. And I would say not in my mind, I said it in my heart. My mind wasn't working at the time, but my heart still was. And I set a goal in my heart that I was going to overcome this. And there's another quote that something we hold, we hold on to, and it says, the brain will always catch up to the mission and purpose that we, uh, th that we set before ourselves. And what I, I really believe by that is that whatever we set as our purpose and our mission in life and we go after, um, no matter where we're at in our porn addiction or where we're at in social media addiction, or maybe we're struggling with, I mean, it could be a whole bunch of different things. If we set a goal that's worthy to pursue a purpose and something meaningful, and go after it with all the resources and all the strength we have, our brain will start to wire itself around meeting that accomplishment. And for me personally, it ended in actually, I can't even, it's like a miracle. I became smarter, faster, and better than I was before the head injury, two years after post-head injury. And I remember just being absolutely, I mean, to this day, I'm just absolutely amazed by that, but also looking back at the neuroscience behind uh, neuroplasticity. And it really is solid that our brain actually has the ability to rewire itself around damage, to rewire itself around bad connections that we make with uh, bad habits and set ourselves up for a completely new direction in life. And it starts, I really think, with what do we want out of our lives? You know, where do we want to go? What's the destination? What's the end goal? And giving ourselves every opportunity we can to fight for that. That story is always such a powerful reminder. And just to come back to the, the social media, digital media theme, I think it applies to that same, that same world that it's, it's not just our values, but we believe that when we know where we are going, when we know what we are fighting for, it makes anything that we are fighting against so much more possible. It's so much more powerful to fight for, let's say, for us in marriage, to fight for connection, to fight for intimacy, to fight for love, and then shut down porn in our lives because we think it's, it's a counterfeit. It doesn't, it doesn't fit together. We totally agree with that. We love fighting for stuff because that's totally where we get our energy and our boost to actually get something done and change our lives. So Love that you agree with that and brought up that point. Yeah, this is so such a beautiful story. And I just want to echo, I think that our brains are such beautiful miracles and so amazing that we have the ability to change. We mm -hmm. literally have the ability to grow and change and become something different. I want to know, what do you guys think success looks like when it comes to healthy media consumption? And especially like, we're going to be raising kids in this crazy world. Like, what does this look like? How do we get healthy and how do we help the next generation? Yeah, I think, again, it's so connected to what are we fighting for. Um, and for me and for us, it's 
putting that whole tech discussion under the bigger umbrella of where we are going in life. And it's so interesting if you look at how we are wired as humans, where we are actually happiest if we find the answers to um, have I been loved? Was I able to love? Did my life have meaning? Like that's actually what a grandpa would ask himself, you know, laying there in bed for shortly before dying. Like those are the thoughts that run through people's minds. And I think in this fleeting world of digital media, that's all about indulgence, like so much of it these days, we just don't think about these questions enough. So for instance, our kids are still pretty young. I know we have worked with teens. Our kids are three and one. But as a mom, I'm constantly like, I want my kids to be wildly creative. I want them to be adventurous. I want them to be courageous. I want them to have empathy. And I know just because of all of the research we have been doing that too much media consumption is definitely going to stunt that development. And because I'm madly in love with them, I'm not going to let that happen under my watch. Does it cost me something? Absolutely. A lot of quiet moments or productive moments as a mom. Like today we were at the playground. I let them get into mud puddles and I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing this for. I'm doing it for the creativity. I can wash the clothes later. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> and I think that still applies when our kids grow older, that it's about keeping that piece of connection alive. And really thinking about what do we want in this next generation? What do we want in our kids? And what's standing in the way? Now, if they use technology for connection, for strengthening their friendships, for, let's say, going on some trip that's helping other people and they are fundraising for it and are gathering crowds, amazing. Like we are all for that. Perfectly said. I love that. I think even just um, coming back to that place of purpose, I feel like purpose says a lot about what where I'm going in life um, and what I'm chasing after and thinking of in different concepts of my purpose as a husband, my purpose as a father, uh, my purpose as a friend and making sure that my actions online and the values I'm living my life by are really coming into alignment with that purpose and that mission. And knowing deep down like that these things that I'm fighting for to live out of the best version of myself as a husband, as a father, and as a friend is going to actually give me more fulfillment in life than anything I could ever find online. And the online world, it's just, just to throw this out in there really quick, is that I think sometimes we, there's a lot of shame and guilt uh, that young men especially, well, actually both women and men carry equally in different ways. Um, in some insane ways, but that we're consuming stuff and we're making poor choices and it kind of comes on us like a, a whole bunch of bricks and we feel the weight and we feel like we're failing and we feel like not such a great person. But just to realize that we're fighting against something that is completely designed to bring us to this point. It is a funnel with very slippery edges and it's designed to get you just to put your toe on it and you slip down and slide towards the middle. And we should be really upset about that because everything about the online world is, has a singular purpose to make money. And if you look at it in social media, you look at it in gaming, the algorithms are all set up to keep you glued to the screen as long as possible so they can take your time, your attention, and monetize it. And pornography just does that in a very devious way. And I feel like instead of feeling guilt and shame, we really need to just start getting really angry because I am not going to be a sucker to, or, you know, the victim of this big con, I guess, you know, of this, of this face man that's out there trying to, to steal my time and attention. 
and rise up above it and take the reins of life and, and go my own course and pioneer my own way and not just fall into the traps what they're throwing in front of us to try to make a quick buck off of advertisement or data they can collect off of us. So I think if we're really real about what we're fighting against and recognizing that it helps a little bit for me personally to remove the shame and get really strategic about what I'm going after in life and not letting anything get in the way of what my mission and my purpose is to be a father, to be a husband, and to be a really good friend. I love what you said there about using our frustration, anger with the technological giants to compel us to fight against that and fight for something better and to not be suckers for it because it's so easy to be that. So this is so wonderful. All the thoughts that you have been sharing are so helpful. Do you have any other thoughts and perhaps a call to action for our listeners? Yeah, I have one. Um, so we think that the best way to go about this whole theme of tech is doing it together. Because especially you guys, we are a little bit older in our 30s, but Gen Z is the loneliest generation of all generations, statistically speaking, and millennials following right behind that generation. So something isn't working. And we think that a fundamental drive to be able to change all this is community. So whenever, let's say, we live as a family, we want to fight for our tech habits, not just as individuals, but as a family, so that everyone that's a part of that plays a part in it. And I think that same applies to roommates. What are our rules around tech in the home? What do we actually want? Like we are planning this big Appalachian Trail hike as a family to have a digital reset. And we want to take other people along, like do it too. Like do 30 days of no tech and see what it does to you. Invest in friendships, family instead, and see what you want to reintegrate after those 30 days to make it super tangible and practical of what we want to go after. But I think sometimes it takes that step back to then reintroduce with more intentionality. And I think you'd be amazed uh, in some of our own experimentation. Sometimes we, we take, even I understand that not, not everybody can just throw their phone away for 30 days because we have responsibilities, we have kids, we have things that we just have to monitor and keep track of. But digital media, like get rid of social media, take a break from Netflix, take a break from anything that's like trying to sell you entertainment for your time and attention and see what you can replace it with. And I have a feeling you're gonna be shocked what other passions, what new ideas, what new talents or lost talents that you had that you forgot all about are gonna to rise to the surface. And I think that's something that constantly shocks Lisa and I that when we take a break from tech, it's like our brains get a chance to finally rest and we start exploring new book ideas and we start thinking of all these things that we would have never, ever, ever had the space for if we were just self-medicating after a long day and saying, oh, I have this stress in my life. Let's just watch another Netflix movie or whatever. It was amazing when you push through that barrier, what rises to the surface and actually how it can affect the, the trajectory of your entire life. You, can, you, you may think of something or have a new plan that comes to your head that could be a game changer for how you approach your own life. So give it a shot. I hope that's inspiring. Super inspiring, actually. And I just want to add, I actually just did this. I, the whole month of February, I deleted all my social media and, um, and I was just like, I need a break and it needs to be longer than a week. It needs to be a whole month. And I can't tell you how refreshing it was. Like it was so amazing. 
and even now, like I've downloaded it again and I'm back on Instagram and stuff, but I'm conscious about it. It was so unconscious. I was finding myself on Instagram, like every time I was bored, anytime. And now I'm like, oh, I haven't even been on Instagram today. I'll check it out for like 10 minutes and then I get off. And it's like a conscious decision again, which is so refreshing, so refreshing. And I like read books and (laughs) like did things that I hadn't done in so long because I was spending all of my time on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And, and I'm just so grateful that I like created that space in my life. So do it. It was so great. I love it. And I, and I feel like just to throw on this caveat too, that bad choices online are always associated with a poor attempt to meet a fundamental core human need. Right. And so I feel like even taking that 30 day break, it's interesting to see what needs you were trying to meet through social media, but it was like the itch you couldn't scratch. Right. So you're always trying to itch that need and you're like social media or whatever, all these things online are going to solve that, but it never does. So it'd be interesting to even keep a journal of some kind if you're going to take 30 days. Like, what needs do I feel like I'm trying to fulfill? And write them down. It's really good to know about them. And maybe also what hurts rise to the surface? What pain am I dealing with in my life that sometimes are influencing my choices? And we can see them more clearly when we remove tech out of the way. And it helps us to be more strategic about how we want to further ourselves and really come on track to what we want to get out of our lives. So rad. I love those ideas. This is so, so inspiring. And thank you so much, both of you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your passion and for sharing a little bit of your story and your work with us. And take action, listeners. Like, this is such a great opportunity. I want, I haven't done a break like that before. So it's about time that I, I do. Um, and Please go find the Frost online, wiredhuman.org. Read their book. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.